This is the Reluctant Leader podcast brought to you by the Reluctant Leader Academy. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and in each episode, I will invite an expert guest to discuss a topic or subject that will enhance your knowledge and hopefully inspire you on your leadership journey. If managing people is becoming your biggest headache, then check out the How to Lead Your Team with Confidence course and join the next group program starting soon. So let's see who's in the hot seat today. Today I'm talking to John Williams. John is currently the CEO and co-founder of Red Dot 365, an organisation that approached mental health and well-being via evidence and people. The unique platform that has been purpose-built for mental health and well-being using cutting-edge technology and modern techniques around AI, machine learning and data analysis. The information, data and trends enable organisations to focus on people, understand how people feel, their levels of motivation, the goals and their barriers. It allows dialogue and conversation to take place, building trust, transparency and giving people a voice. The aim is to create a well-being culture within organisations that permeate every facet of the company from top to bottom. Their approach is to empower people and organisations to become the owners of the solution that work for them by providing the data and intelligence, measuring and tracking impact as well as return on investment. John has over 30 years experience as an executive in FTSE 100 organisations, bringing that commercial edge and getting the right balance between social and commercial objectives. I hope you enjoy this chat we had about employee well-being and I'll catch you all on the other side. John, welcome to the Reluctant Leader podcast. Thank you very much, Mark. I'm delighted to be on you. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting conversation uh, for many reasons uh, because you know, employee well-being is essential, as we know. Um, but I think with what you do, it gives us um, a, a way to sort of look into it in a way that um, allows people to comfortably uh, um, look at their personal well-being without feeling that they're, you know, feeling embarrassed or whatever it is. Um, but, but before we get into that, um, I always ask my guests, uh, why do you do what you do? And what was the pivotal moment that took you down this path? Thank you very much, Mark, and I'm delighted, like I said, delighted to be on the, on the podcast. That's a really good question. I think that your journey in life, you arrive at a certain point. I was lucky enough to work in professional sport and understood that the performance of the people's performance is determined upon the environment that they that you create for them. And I think that, that aligns itself to, to the world of employment as well. If you create the right environment, then it allows people to flourish and grow. And how do you do that if you don't really understand what, what people are looking for? Um, so the, the, how we arrived at this point was that it's a, almost an amalgamation of, of thoughts and ideas. My background was, as I said, in professional sport. Then I went into commercial contracting, looking after welfare, justice and um, mental health and recognize the key to providing the right solutions is going to be data, evidence and data. Um, so I tied up with a, with, a, with a colleague of mine and the other and the other colleagues a doctor of artificial intelligence, big data, which is is nowhere to be seen in the well-being space. So we think we're quite unique in terms of providing that baseline evidence, if you like. 
uh, and allowing people to look at mental health and well-being in a different way. Uh, and we think we, <clears throat> we we know that we're in a really the well-being and mental health conversation has probably been exacerbated by <clears throat> by the current situation regarding COVID-19 uh, and the impact on employment and welfare and every other part of people's lives. Mm, absolutely. And I, I'm, I mean, uh, there's an awful lot going on, which I see and hopefully others are seeing within the, the well-being space. Um, um, but the question was always, um, so, but what is it we actually need to do and how are actually our, our people feeling? Um, you know what? How and how do we um, check in with that? And what you do, John, is is and, and that's the reason why I wanted to get you on here to talk about it. Is actually you identify what is happening for, for individuals, so that the the company then can lend some support. Uh, and that's basically where you fit in. You have a, a, a tool which um, uh, allows that to happen. I think it'd be worthwhile just um, just explaining how that works. Yeah, Mark, and I think that the start, starting point was that if you look at the well-being market, the well-being conversation, as I said earlier, is an easy one to have in the current climate. However, the well-being market is so broad and, if you like, a bit fragmented. So under the well-being umbrella, everything comes under it, from yoga to Pilates to mindfulness to Hinduism, Buddhism, well, everything, and, and every one of those work at the right for the, in the right environment and for the right in the right circumstances. However, where do you start? And that's where we were, were probably at. So I got a thousand pounds to spend. I'm a company that um, that wants to look after the well-being of my people. And I think that's and every company we work with have that in, have, has that intention. Where do they start? Uh, and that's a big question. How do I? If I'm going to spend a thousand pounds, I'm going to spend five thousand pounds. Well, how do I know the impact I'm going to have? How do I measure what people's real concerns are or demands? Are? Um, and if we can do that, if we can do that, and that's what we do, then we analyze that data, look at trends in your business. The more data we have, the more information we collect, the more intelligence we can provide. That allows for for you to target, if you like, um, target your investment to make the biggest impact and then allow us to measure the impact for the individual and for the company. And that really is what, what we do is through a through an initial survey, baseline survey, in four areas, your mental health, your physical health, your professional well-being, and your personal well-being, we, we can then look at giving you an individual score as a person and track your progress over time um, we then aggregate that up into a company well-being score that will allow us to look at job roles, sectors, um, divisions within your business, so that we can re really gain some intelligence and move. And I think that's a real goal here, Mark, is to, mm -hmm. is to move mental health and well-being from an operational function into a strategic pillar that it sits right at the top table. Um, we could, because everything we do, we have, we have data on sales and input and throughput and, and drop-off rate and we are the same as production, but we have none of that, in, that intel and insight into people. Mm. 
Um, and that's where we, I, I think, we bring that real value. Yeah, and, and I think in our previous conversation, you, you um, people might be thinking, well, some people might not want to share that sort of information, but your system yeah. actually keeps it anonymous for the business, so they don't really know where that's coming from. They just know the overall. But for the individual, they're getting some um, actual good uh, suggestions as to how, if something's come up that they're struggling with, there's some suggestions straight away as to things that they can do. Yeah. And I think that's a key mark is mm. that to get buy-in, for people to buy into this, you have to, first of all, guarantee, I believe, and we believe, guarantee the anonymity confidentiality. Why do we believe it? Mm. Because the minute we stand up in, in front of employees and we tell them that the data comes to us and not to the line manager, goes, so the next question, the follow-on question is, so it, it doesn't go to my line manager or my supervisor. No, it comes to us and we report it at an aggregate level to protect anonymity confidentiality. Wow. So I can say whatever I want to, absolutely. Um, and we get an 85% um, engagement rate, um, which is phenomenal for, a, for a, at a survey level because of our independence. Um, we report that at an aggregate level, with the idea being, Mark, that that data then at the, within, the, within the wellbeing dashboard allows for dialogue, it opens up dialogue, it's not, it's not a solution, but by sharing that data with a senior management team or with the staff, it allows us an insight into what are the things that they'd like to see happen. They may not have, and some of them are no cost whatsoever, real simple solutions, but you would never thought of those solutions unless you had that data. Some of yeah, them may yeah. take some investment, and some may be over time. So it's, um, it allows for the conversation to take place at the right level, Mark. Yeah, and you're pinpointing exactly what um, what it is that people want, and it's very similar to the work I do with motivation. Is that once you once you can actually pinpoint and get that data, and you know what's important to someone, you can then target it and use the money. Which you know, let's let's face it, limited resources are always a problem for businesses. It's actually yes. targeting and use that money. Uh, effectively for where it's really needed rather than just a scattergun, you know, we'll do this and hopefully it might be okay and it might make a difference. Whereas your system allows that pinpointing and allows that that money to be spent far more wisely. Yes. I had a great example this week, Mark, actually. I did some work with a client who who their description of their workforce was that they they attract, um, if you like, um, Minimum wage um, employees, uh, and they have done nothing in the in the in the mental health or well-being space since the company was born. And they have they have a, a fragmented workforce because some were furloughed and some weren't. So they got the, the unfurloughed ones disillusioned because of the furloughed ones. Um, and where do they start? And they said, "Oh, we're gonna we think we're gonna employ them. Um, we're gonna." Um, Commission a mental health first aid course. And I said, okay, why? Do the, do, the, do the employees need it? Do you think that they think that's a priority? We don't know. What's, so if you're the employee, what's the impact? How do you know you can measure impact? Is it, is it an impact on your employees' mm-hmm. well-being? And does it do anything for your culture, the culture of the organization? Now, I'm not saying mental health first aid may be the answer, but I think there's a bit of work to be done before you arrive at that solution. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, too right. It does. I mean, there's a lot of that going on, isn't there? And I can say it's not. It's a positive thing, but it's it's not really targeted, is it? And and it's, no, it's having that target uh, and making sure that you're spending the, the money in the right place so that you get the biggest benefit um, yes. for the workforce. Yes. Um, and I and I just think that's so important. But what, what we, we were talking just before we started uh, recording about, um, and I, I'm sure this must come up a lot in certain sectors. It's the difference between men and women. And, and you know, I don't like stereotyping, but I, I think from my experience, men are uh, typically less um, happy to share things and find out more stuff about themselves, where women are, are far a little bit more um, uh, happy to sort of to divulge and, and think things um that, that you know they deal with things in maybe a more open way is that is, is that your uh, experience absolutely Mike. some really good examples actually with in the construction space we find that um it is predominantly 95 percent is is very um gender specific it's very driven by men mm. um and the engagement rate that um in the construction space is very low. Another great example is that we've done some work with uh, with a train organization, um, the national train organization, who gave or committed a 500 pound per individual to look after their mental health and well-being. The take of rate of, of, the, of, of the individual to access the 500 pound was it was all, almost fifteen percent? Only fifteen percent they ever took it up, and and of the five hundred pounds, they only ever used on average about one hundred twenty quid, hundred twenty pounds of that. Um, and you, so you sort of ask the question why? And you look at the process, and they have to first of all dial up HR to say I want to access that money. Secondly, they have to provide the receipts to HR to for, for the money. Um, so then people especially men, get really reluctant about sharing that personal information. Mm. They see it as a weakness, uh, and that's a societal challenge as well. Whereas our system allowed them to, on their phone, to log in 24-7, 365 days a year, update their well-being profile, see a therapist if they wanted to see one in 48 hours, and meet without accessing, without picking up a phone to anybody. Um, so that it was it allowed them to access gym or physical membership. So it allowed us to, to inform the dashboard for the senior management team within rail to say, we, we now got some real insightful data to be able to really push the right resources in the right area, in the right sectors, in the right for the right people without 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 whilst keeping, I suppose, their confidentiality and anonymity. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just thinking about the costs of this, um, not the costs of, you know, in, in using your system, but really the costs of, you know, poor um, employee well-being and, and what that actually adds up to. Have you got any sort of stats and figures around that? I think that even in, um, so the last big um, big study was by uh, Deloitte's uh, on a national national basis, and they they reckon that the actual cost of business is 144 billion pound a year in the UK, and yeah. they break that down further in terms of the mental health cost is something like 44 billion a year. The presenteeism cost is six uh, 60 billion a year. The absenteeism costs make up the rest of that that breakdown. 
So it becomes, this, and even they're, they're saying, but it's, within each workforce, at least one in four of your employees will suffer a, a mental health episode, episode um, throughout their working life. So, and we have, we, and that bears out in terms of our statistics and data. We work, we, on average, we recognize that every survey we do with an organization, it runs at about three to five percent at any given time that's, that people within the organization are suffering a mental health issue um, or going through the transition or having a real impact in terms of relationships. Or the, so if they have those things going on in life, then the presenteeism impact is going to be even greater or absenteeism. Yeah. And your system, so you mentioned about the 365, 24, 7 sort of uh, setup. Um, and I think, again, when we talked uh, before, uh, I thought the really good thing about it is that it's not about just doing it once and then, um, you know, basing everything on based on, on that um, snapshot. You actually, your system actually encourages people to update on a regular basis. So if they're feeling better or less um, or, or, or worse, um, you get a pattern of how things are developing as well. Is, is, is that right? Did I depict that as? So I think, Mark, even every one of us um, in mm. life, there's lots of things going on at any one time. You have your own relationships going on, but people that are currently working from home, they have the pressures of, of bringing up their children at the same time, homeschooling, productivity at work, relationships. There's a there's a huge amount going on. And, and at any one day, somebody can log in tomorrow and say, you know, my all my well-being needs are being catered for. My mental health is really good. I'm in a good place. Uh, my physical well-being is good. And then they get thrown a curveball in life. Something happens in the relationship. Something happens in their family. The relationship at work has turned sour. So as that curveball happens, things take a turn for the worse. And it can be a trigger. It can be a financial trigger. It can be a debt trigger. They can log in to their own profile, which is secure, um, 24-7, 365 days a year, and update their own well-being profile. That will give them an individual score. So over time, if they logged in five times over the last month or five times over the last year, they can track back the five scores and, and shows on a graph how much they've improved, how much they've regressed, <clears throat> and it allows them to, to learn about themselves as well, what's working for me, what's not working. That data then feeds into the company well-being dashboard at an aggregate level. We also aggregate that those scores up to give a com- to be able to give a company score. So the company can say, Do you know what, we've invested in this area, and we can see the impact that's having in terms of our overall scores of company. Um, so the company starts to learn as well. So it becomes a real powerful tool, what's working, what's working for this organization at this moment in time, what's not. And as things change, or you've made a change, you've made some redundancies, you've changed management, you've changed building, you can track the impact that's had on individuals. So it becomes really powerful. The more powerful, the powerful part for me, Mark, is the is the learning piece that they're constantly learning about themselves as a company, and the, and the individuals learn about what works for them as, a, as an individual. 
Yeah, and for, and for me, the, the two things that come out for me is that if you're in a senior role within that business, it gives you some peace of mind that you are, you know, monitoring it. You've got something in place that actually is is showing that you you have got a part of your culture is that you you are wanting to make sure that your 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 workforce are being looked after and their well-being is important. Uh, for one, that would if, if I was in that position, I would make me feel happier that that was in place and it's not like, you know, hope they are or hope that, you know, hope that things are okay. That's all well and being. But actually, you know, you need to have something to say, well, you know, which actually is okay because we can measure it. And the other yeah. thing is actually it sends out that message that, you know, part of our culture is... Our, our people and their well-being and and I, I think that's really powerful in that you know we're not just it's not something that's just listed and we talk about now and again it's actually something that we encourage you to do check in with yourself yeah. uh, and it, it, it makes it something that people do do I guess I mean do you know the sort of I'm, I'm well these things you never get a hundred percent take up but do you know the sort of percentage sort of take up you get from a, an average sort of um, <clears throat> business yeah yeah. So we, as like I said, we get eighty five percent engagement rate to start off with. We share yeah. that data at an aggregate level with every employee in the business and the senior management team. So everybody can see, wow, what's the the they get the, the well factor is they can see what the needs of the business are and what the SMT are, or themselves have put in place to to provide a solution. So. Let me give you some examples. So, so for instance, there was an office building with um, 45 em- employees in. 15% of the em- employees was at a physical, wanted to improve their physical well-being. And, but of the 15%, a ticked a walking group at lunchtime, cost no money. And they, they, they created it themselves because it was the data pointed in that direction. However, on some strategic stuff, we we employ well-being gurus because there's no way in the world that we can provide every aspect. So we we partner with and collaborate with people like yourself who provide an alternative. If the, if the data is pointing that direction, they can provide the solution, and that keeps people engaged. That keeps people going back in and seeing how, how they, if they made some changes. How they always made them feel because they've they've gone in and re retook the survey in two months time after they made some change, and you because we that's that's keeping people wanting wanting to go back in and update. It's almost like a Facebook page. You go back in and you can see, wow! If I change that now because I tried that and that didn't work, and so I think it keeps people engaged in their own. Taking control of the solution as, as opposed to being part of the problem. Yeah, and there's nothing more important than and and that keeps you on track is, is feedback. You know, yes. I, I've shared a few times about the reason why I keep doing my sort of exercise regime is because I wear a belt and it gives me feedback. It tells me, you know, it just gives me a, a check-in with, you know, I might have been even if I've got worse, at least it sort of gives you that feedback to say, oh, you know, what have I done? What do I need to do? I need to up my game. It just keeps you on track. And it's such important to to have that feedback in many ways. And and that's what we're getting here, isn't it? You're you're giving feedback, which then you can take some action around. That's the important thing. Yes. And and as a group of people, then it doesn't become the SMT's role to, to make the changes. It becomes all of our collective 
role to become part mm. of the solution. So if we want to be a better environment, then we, we, we can all create a better environment by recognizing the, the things that people are seeing as their challenge. How can we overcome that challenge? How can we address um, the culture within the organization regarding mental health or how do we approach that in a different way? Then it becomes an easy conversation. The conversation opens up to everybody. Um, and I think that's the really important part that, the, that the, it's, it's a constant live um, piece of kit that they can almost run a report on a weekly or daily basis um, that'll give them information and insights into what's working in the organization, our management team, right? Because whatever we believe is happening at SMT, and that's what we find, Mark. The SMT have one, one view of, of, of the world from their perspective. But the real perspective in terms of the ground, uh, the ground floor, the shop floor, is a, is, a, is a million miles apart. And I think the, I think the magic is in, is, in, is in that gap. Yeah, and, and it's very important what you said there about the, you know, the responsibility that the SMT take. You know, that, you know, if they're not experts in this, it's, it's quite a burden in some ways. But when you've got something that actually can give you the, you know, the actual picture of what's going on, uh, and we've got to remember also that you know sometimes you know the business is a business, uh, and there will be times when you know particularly at the moment where the financial impact of that on that business is obviously a big concern, and there's be some big decisions to be made. And you know when it comes to employee well-being, although it might be something that we talk about, it's it's quite easy to forget about it. Whereas um, when you've got something like this, which is in the background all the time, you know it's being taken care of. And, and if there's something that's going in the wrong direction, it's going to be flagged up. And I think that's spot on, Mark. When you think about, um, and I'll take it back to the analogy of sport, when you put a, a team on the field, tactically, technically, everybody is about the same. 99% of what they do is about the same. The difference is how the, how the, the environment has made them feel, how it makes so the productivity and the performance become second to none. It becomes really top draw. There's nothing dif different in terms of technique and tactically, but it's the environment you've created through the data that's allowed you to have those conversations and show people you care. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's the key. Absolutely. And I'm just wondering whether you get people that are quite happy to share, you know, their scores. Is that something you see where people are open? Because there's bound to be some people that, that do that. And I think, Mark, I think that, Mark, is, is, is that's a really good question, actually. I think that's our intent is to create a well-being community, a community mm. around people sharing what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And I think that's our next move on, is that people can log in and create chat rooms and create sharing ideas and solutions that work for them as people, as individuals and organizations. I think we're in a real, we're in a really good space when we get that, get that point. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's a really good sign when people are openly just discussing around where their score is, where it's up and down, yeah. all those sort of things. When people start sharing, and, and I think, you know, that's when it opens up to a point where it's just okay to talk about this stuff. And that's where yes. we want to be, isn't it, with everything. Just be open about it, be honest about it, there's no judgment coming uh, being made here. We all have our well-being to, to take care of, whether it's physical, mental, all the other things that make up our well-being 
it's 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 just having the conversation and 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 it's just a healthy thing to do i I just think it's just a a great idea um sadly uh john our time's running out um and as i um mentioned before we started recording i tend to leave our listeners with some top tips what was your ideas around you know some top tips about well-being in the in the workplace be so i think my first one mark is uh and i think that's the overall aim is to move well-being and mental health from an operational function that sits at the sits with hr and usually at the bottom of the training budget to a strategic pillar within the organization a key focus that um that everybody uh, drives towards based on that data and intelligence. And we are, it's an open, di- and like you just said, it's an open dialogue, it's open discussion, it becomes transparent and it becomes easy for everybody to comment on because the transparency is driving a positive environment. Tip two, I think is standards and quality mark. So the well-being market is a very, <laughs> Is a very fragmented one, and there's some excellent provision out there. I'm not knocking the, the provision of the companies, but we have to have some standardisation in terms of quality and compliance. Um, some kind of some way of getting a national consumer satisfaction rating, so that it, it takes it to another level. Um, so that if somebody's going in and doing, and we've broken somebody going to do a. I don't know, a session on mental health. Then, how did they? How did you rate that? What are the qualifications they require? What standard are we, are we looking for? Those type of things. Until we get to that place, it, be, it will remain a very fragmented market without any standards of quality. And for me, the final one, Mark, is if it, if you can't measure it, guys, then you can't look at re- improvement. You can't look at learning, you can't look at return on investment, and you can't target where your requirements are. So the other that's my final top tip, Mark, is it has to be measured. And if if you if you've commissioned a piece of work or a train or a training um, uh, a training plan or a training piece of kit, if you like, um, then if you can't measure it, then I question the validity in the first place. Why did you need it? How do you know? Um, and that's my third. That's a great, great uh, tip to uh, end on, John. And that is uh, pretty much the reason why I wanted to get you on to talk about this, because once you can measure something, you can then do something about it. You know, businesses are all about measuring stuff. They want to measure profitability and all the other things that they measure. But, you know, being able to measure how your, your employees are feeling is, is such an important thing and it was it, it's good in many ways in business terms so uh, thank you very much for your time today John it's been fascinating um, and I hope to catch up with you very very soon Mark thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat, chat about well-being and mental health it's a really important subject and there's some great questions thank you very much Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the episode, please take the time to leave a review on your chosen platform and share on social media. Don't forget to check out the Reluctant Leader Academy where you'll find a free 15 questions every manager should be asking themselves checklist that you can download to keep you on track every day. 
Leadership is a choice. When you understand the right mindset, know the process to follow, and use key skills to keep things moving forward, you'll be on track to leave a lasting legacy. Until next time, be the best you can be and the inspiration for others to follow. Thank you.